person and they're valuable and precious to God. This is a cause for rejoicing, and of course, it's a cause for work. It's not a cause for new work, not for this church. We've been advocating for young mothers and children all along. We've been willingly bringing in all kinds of families all along. We've been working with the local pregnancy centers however we can. But it just reminds us all the more. Things aren't determined in such a way. The world is always the world, and it won't stop being the world till Christ returns and sets it right. But let us stand up, not angrily, not with the methods of the world, not screaming, but let us stand up and say, life is precious to God. Let us stand up and say, this is what God has declared is right. This is what God has declared is wrong. We all lived there. Come and join the rest of us in leaving it and coming to follow after God. You and I, we don't have the ability within us to change ourselves. We need outside power. You can't simply do better. AA will tell you that you need a higher power, and they're on the right track. I will tell you what you need is the Word of God to come into your life to begin changing you, and the Spirit of God inside of you to stir your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh so you can hear and obey the Word of God. But I'm also here to tell you, you have the Word of God in front of you today, and the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. God desires your salvation, so don't let anything stop you today from responding to the Word and to the Spirit of God. Soften yourself. Humble yourself before Him. And come and be found as an object of grace like He wants you to be, not an object of wrath. The illustration continues right on track. Chapter 19, if you flip the page in your Bible, let's talk about clay jars. God sends Jeremiah and He says, okay, you've gone to the potter's house, you've seen the lump of clay, you've seen that the nations of the people are a lump of clay in my hand and I'll make what I want to out of them. And I will change course of my plans if they will repent that His real desire, His real plans, or that they all should have an opportunity to repent. Well, now in chapter 19, He sends Jeremiah to go and buy a clay jar, something already formed and made. He says, you're going to take this clay jar, and well, we'll start reading in verse 10. Here's what God says to him about the clay jar. Chapter 19, verse 10, you are to shatter the jar in the presence of the people going with you. You are to proclaim to them, this is what the Lord of armies says, I will shatter these people in this city. I will shatter like a potter's jar that can never be mended. They will bury the dead in Topheth because there is no other place for burials. This is far away from home in a valley. They're not going to get to go home to the family burial place. Verse 12, that is what I will do to this place. This is the declaration of the Lord. And to its residents, make this city like Topheth. That is to say, they're going to be a dispersed, terrible valley. Whatever was Jerusalem, a big city of God, it's going to become a useless valley. The houses of Jerusalem, the houses of the king of Judah will become impure like the place of Topheth. All the houses on whose rooftops they have burned incense to all the stars in the sky, and they've poured out drink offerings to other gods. Jeremiah returned from Topheth, where the Lord sent him to prophesy, and he stood in the courtyard of the Lord's temple, and he proclaimed to all the people, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says, I am about to bring on this city and on all the cities 
every disaster that I spoke against it, for they have become obstinate, not obeying my words. What's the trouble? The trouble is that they are unwilling to obey, and God says, I'm going to shatter them. See how this metaphor, this illustration, this object lesson moves on from one place to the other. As God says, as God says, you're like a jar of clay in my hands. And God tells Jeremiah, so this actually happens, to go and take that jar and smash it right in front of them so that they can see what happens. If you do not soften your heart before this God, but if you become hard and obstinate and unwilling to change, the judgment comes and comes rightly. says you're going to be like a broken piece of pottery that cannot be restored. My plan was to throw it down, but when Trevor and Laura are here, I was like, maybe a towel will be, will be safe. Just think about how much more powerful that would have been if I threw it down on the ground. God shares this illustration with Israel, and He shares with us, you know how Israel came but let's say you still have the opportunity before you today. Amen. Will you humble yourself and soften your heart before God? Or will you become prideful and obstinate and inflexible in His hand and harden yourself? God says there's an option before you. You need the Word and you need the Spirit to come to trust Him. But I tell you, you have the Word today. I'm, I'm telling it to you. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit desires your salvation is at work in your life today. Do not harden your hearts. What's Israel's problem? It's that they will not obey. He says, I am about to bring this on the city and on all its cities. Every disaster that I spoke against it, for they have become obstinate, and they are not obeying my words. It's the most powerful object illustration that God gives to them. Just like Israel, we have the opportunity before us to change or not, but not forever. We put it this way, for all those who come to God broken, well, God is one who mends the brokenhearted. But to all those who come to God arrogant, God brings low the arrogant. It's entirely possible that you know what sin is in your life and you know you need to change it, but you are simply unwilling to do the things that must be done. It is, in fact, humiliating. Well, just bump somebody for me, Scott. It is just, go on, bump. It is, in fact, humiliating to humble yourself, is it not? To declare Again, we can use a great illustration of AA. The first step is you have to say, I'm an alcoholic, which is a little humiliating the first time that you have to say it. Is it not? And yet, it begins with humbling ourselves. The work of repentance requires the lack of pride. We have to humble ourselves and say, I'm willing to change. If you're going to turn 
from your sins and follow after God, you're going to discover even more places in your life. You're going to think initially, here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to repent of this one sin and change that because I knew it was bad for my life. But I kind of wanted to keep these other ones here in my life. Can I not just keep a few? They're not hurting anybody, surely. Let's just repent of this one. Can I keep some hardened spots in my life? And to come to Christ is to have each one of them exposed in turn. And the only right answer is to humble yourself before God, just like the people of Nineveh did, just like the Israelites did not, and cry out to Him and say, I am in your hands. I have no pride of my own. I'm just a broken person. You have to say like the person who comes forward and prays in the temple, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner and turn your life over to Christ in this way. I want to share with you one more perfect object lesson today. Chapter 23 of Jeremiah. You flip the page one more. I told you, this whole section of Jeremiah, if if you're the kind of person who gets discouraged reading the prophets because you feel like it's just a lot of judgment poetry, go back and read Jeremiah chapter 13 through 23. That judgment poetry is in there, but every chapter there's these powerful object illustrations that will stay with you forever once you hear them, starting with the underwear. Here we are in chapter 23. Here's what God says. Now we're turning from pottery to shepherds. Here's what God says. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the shepherds who tend my people. You have scattered my flock, you have banished them, and you have not attended to them. So I am about to attend to you because of your evil acts. This is the Lord's declaration. I will gather the remnant of my flock from all the lands where I have banished them. I will return them to their grazing land. They will become fruitful and numerous. I will raise up shepherds over them who will tend them. They will no longer be afraid or discouraged, nor will any be missed. This is the Lord's declaration. See, there's two groups of Israel right now. There are those who have been taken off into captivity and are broken, And there are still these shepherds and leaders in Israel staying in Jerusalem, trying to hold out, coming up with plans. As God says to them through Jeremiah, Babylon is my judgment against you. If you go along willingly, they will spare your lives and put you into courts and kingdoms, and then you can thrive in Babylon for a while there until I restore you. But like like an obstinate child... Have you ever had a child where you're trying to discipline them gently that's just throwing a fit and you're trying to say, kid, come on, I don't, I don't want to put it. Just, just go on up to your room a little bit. Just cool off. Go, I'm not, we're not, we don't need to escalate this. I just want you to go up to your room and cool off a little bit and come back a little bit later. I'm not, I'm not mad at you. Just go up. And the kid refuses to receive the gentle hand of discipline. And then you have to escalate things. And you know it's a bad day when you have to carry said child up to their room and provide them with some punishment. This is what God is doing with them. He was saying to them, these leaders who are still in Jerusalem, I'm sending you off into Babylon as I promised. I gave you chance after chance after chance, but if you'll follow Jeremiah and the people off into exile, you are going to lose everything and become slaves again, but I will provide for you and prosper you while you are there, even there, and then someday I'm going to return you. 
But the leaders still in Jerusalem are making all kinds of plans and plots to not do that. They're making alliances with the Philistines and with the neighboring nations. They're planning to run off back to Egypt. And God says, no, no, we're never going back to Egypt. I delivered you from that. How could you return to it? And they're making plans to go back into Egypt, obstinate again and again. And so God cries out against these shepherds and say, you evil shepherds who keep trying to lead my people wrongly, well, I'm going to lead you somewhere, is what he says. And then I'm going to give them good shepherds. Listen, verse 5, look, the days are coming, this is the Lord's declaration, when I will raise up a righteous branch for David, and he will reign wisely as king. He will administer justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell securely. This is the name He will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Look, the days are coming, the Lord's declaration, when it will no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought, them out of, uh, who brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, but rather, as the Lord lives who brought and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the land of the north and from all the other countries where I abandoned them, they will dwell once more in their land. He says, a day is coming. The salvation that I'm going to bring to you when I draw my people, the broken ones, from all over the place and bring them back into Israel, that salvation is going to be so great that you won't even remember how you used to rejoice at being brought out of slavery in Egypt. Because the people swear, they say, as the Lord brought us out of Egypt... That's the big thing. That's what God did, and it was huge. He took a massive slave population, brought them out of the most powerful empire at the time, gave them their own land, led them through the desert. This was a huge salvation that God did on behalf of His people. And He says, when I send this new king, this wise king, this king whose name is going to be God is righteous, when I send him, the salvation that I'm going to bring you out of is going to be so great you're going to forget all about Egypt. That God says to them essentially, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just wait and watch how great the salvation of God is. You need to know these object lessons and these parables because when you arrive at chapter 10 of the Gospel of John, you will hear Jesus, God Himself, saying, I am that good shepherd. Jesus arrives and says, that one promised there, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. You know what the sheep need? They need a Savior. You know what the sheep need? They need a Savior who will be a sacrifice for them to save them from their sins, to satisfy the judgment of God on their behalf so that God's justice and God's grace are displayed powerfully in one place. Jesus says the hired hand, since he is not the shepherd, he doesn't own the sheep, and he leaves them, and he runs away when he sees a wolf coming. And the wolf snatches them up and gather, gathers, uh, snatches them up and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and he doesn't care about the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my known knows me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay my life down for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. 
and I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice. What do we say you need? You need the Word of God and you need the Spirit of God. In this time, Christ has already come and died and risen again to draw all of His sheep to Him. And He says there are more. There are even more. And the way they will know they are mine is they will hear my voice and they will know my voice and they will come in. He says there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay my life down so that I may take it up again. And this is really important. Verse 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Dear friends, dear members, remember the object lessons and how powerful they are today. Dear children who are at VBS, remember the object lessons and the truth that they point you to. Congregation, remember the shattered pot. That all those who are arrogant and unwilling to bend to the Word of God will be shattered. Judgment comes rightly for evil, and it will be done. But congregation, remember also. Remember what it looks like to see bad shepherds. Those who lead people away from the Lord. Did you see the news about this cult church over by Fort Gordon that was raided by the FBI this week because they were preying on veterans and preying on young servicemen? Some good local news. And judgment comes down on these who are preying on young men. Remember the illustration of bad shepherds and remember all the more the good shepherd. You see, God has sent us a leader that we can follow. Because God has sent us a shepherd who does not demand from us more than He has given. We have a shepherd who has laid down His life for us. It is our joy to be in His hands. Finally, remember the lump of clay. What are you going to do today? Are you going to harden yourself against His work? Or are you going to soften yourself to the Word of God and follow Him and obey. The proud will be broken, but the broken will be healed. Amen. Father God, I thank You so much that You are so gracious to us today. We know this, that the proud will be broken, but the broken will be healed. I pray for all those who are here today that they would recognize their own brokenness and turn to You for healing. Father, we are a broken, sinful people. But give us the strength by Your Spirit and we will turn from our sins and follow You all the days of our lives. We are broken and we dearly desire Your healing and we believe that You are as good as You say You are and that You heal everyone who comes to You. Amen. We are here today standing on that promise and that promise alone. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.